0: So tonight, uh, I'd like to talk about uh, karma. Um, the law of uh, kamma. This um, very important law that uh, govern our life, lives. Um, When uh, misunderstood can make our lives uh, very much miserable, difficult, and lead us away from uh, what we want most, freedom. And when understood can be very uh, powerful in leading us uh, onwards, on the spiritual path and, uh, and uh, getting us closer to freedom. Very empowering uh, because um, when we know the workings of uh, Kama, the love Kama, we can align ourselves with uh, nature, basically. So this law m- mainly explains uh, how suffering uh, comes to be and how happiness is created. And also it might help explain uh, the differences we find among uh, beings, the individual uh, differences uh, of uh all the differences of you know fortunate uh, circumstances and unfortunate circumstances and possibly health and uh, dis-ease and uh, even beauty and uh, and ugliness and uh, all the different uh, ways that uh, life takes forms in us i don't know how you feel just hearing that check in as you uh, you hear it's like ooh, uh we're going to talk about uh, maybe uh, injustice the feeling we have of, of perceived injustice in the world and uh, are we going like, to all organize it with a few words? You know, this is, this is how it works. That's how this person got to be like this, and that person got to be like that. And uh, I know for me, for a long time, the teaching on Kama, I was very resistant because of this. It was like, that would organize things too quickly and uh, harshly. The intention for me tonight is much more to see uh, how we can uh, bring compassion and mudita joy for the joy of others and uh, how we can bring equanimity karma is very much related to uh, the development of equanimity and also maybe one quality that i Personally, like uh, very much is uh, samvega, some samvega, some this uh, spiritual urgency, this little kind of uh, sometimes wake-up call or little kick in the butt, if I can use this expression. And um, there are. Um, so there are uh, spiritual qualities of mind that are known to be pleasant, like um, you know, joy, piti, uh, mudita, metta. Many of the spiritual qualities that lead us onward on the path are uh, often experienced as pleasant, but there are some uh, some of the qualities that lead us onwards. That are not always—they're uh, not pleasant to feel—and Samvega sometimes is one of those where it's not exactly pleasant, but it really gathers the energy and momentum to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, keep going on this path and know why we're we're doing it. So this law of Kama is uh, we have to be careful not to think about it as a kind of a moral law of, uh, of uh, punishment and um, uh, reward. Because in this law, there's no one who is actually giving reward or punishment. There's, there's no agent in there. It's a, it's a law that functions by itself kind of organic natural Uh, so there's no outside agent that is judging or condemning or approving and also in the deepest understanding that we can have of of karma is it's not given by somebody and it's not even received by somebody at both ends or in the middle of it there is no one just an unfolding of one of the several laws of nature, physics, biologies. It's not to mean there's this, this is the only law. There's other laws also uh, at play. But this happens that this realm that we're uh, in is a moral realm. Have you noticed every day, there is some kind of uh, little moral dilemma going on. Maybe uh, it's more like several times a day. Is that totally kosher? Is that <laughs> How do I feel with doing this? And, and it, to me, it's always surprising that I'm always confronted with this little uh, thing. Uh, I'll tell you, OK, this is my first confession. Ooh. Uh, Okay, I never know what's coming (laughs) when I'm talking about. Okay, here we go. (laughs) So last night I had a little moral dilemma. Uh, So as a teacher, I'm invited to uh, I'm invited to some of the veggies and fruits that are are in the in the kitchen. And uh, I was uh, yesterday, uh, I was going to meet some friends to uh, have a very short little gathering for the New Year's early on and uh, I couldn't use a car to go down to buy some food so I went to the little uh, uh, fridge in the kitchen and I looked at oh, carrots, I have the right to carrots and I looked at oh, I could do very really quickly some uh, veggies, roasted veggies and there was a pile of par- uh, parsnips And here I was in front of a moral dilemma. I wanted to bring something good to my friends. It was not exactly on the list, but it could be on the list because there were several of them. And somewhere it was said if there's several of the vegetable. Anyway, it was not completely clear. There was no one around. And I was like, well, but that's a generous thing. I want to bring something. And anyway, I ended up taking two parsnips. And that was very interesting because after, I felt a lot of heat after. And so that's my spiritual path. I thought, so maybe it would have been better to actually offer roasted carrots (laughs) (laughs) and let go of the attachment of white and orange and it looks going to look good and it kind of fit. And and anyway, and when I talked about this to staff today, they were like, yeah, yeah, it was unclear, but it was totally fine because parsnips we stuck with. And uh, anyway, I'm just telling you this little story where, again, this little, what, what do I do? And it's, it's unclear, uh, especially from the inside, maybe from you from the outside. Now you're like, well, it was clear, you know. But uh, anyway, for me, I face these little things uh, uh, all th- the time. And uh, so just to say that this is a moral realm, I'm sure you have this here, even though you're not going to little gatherings uh, with uh, cooked veggies. It happens to you as you're in line or uh... so karma the, the the literal translation of it is action that's what it, it means action but technically it refers to uh, the intention that is behind the action so any movement of mind in terms of thoughts uh, or any movement of bodily movements or any uh, speech, any word, uh, uh, has behind an intention. When this intention has um, a moral value to it, an ethical quality to it, uh, it can bear fruits. And so uh, karma refers to this, the potential that is uh, inside any intention we have. So our kind of understanding of this is that apart from, you know, when I say something, when I do something, apart from the impact it has on, uh, on others around me and my environment, we have this, uh, many of us, Consciously or unconsciously, we have this kind of belief that once it's done and there's the immediate impact, that is pretty much it. But with this law, it says there is in every one of these actions, these movements towards uh, a something, a speech, or a, a production of thoughts, or ideas, or in. intention it carries uh, some uh, possibilities of some potential to bear fruit and this and the teaching of Kama comes with the teaching of rebirth so it means it can carry on in this life uh, uh, later on or in another life okay so now what is required of you here because this is not our culture. We were not born in this culture of rebirth. This is kind of alien to many of us. Um, what is required of us here is not blind faith, but not also blind uh, disbelief or rejection of this. Just a kind of an openness to... Um, Openness, yeah. I think you do this in English, no? You put an S at the end and it becomes (laughs) some idea. Openness. yeah. So, um, yeah, it requires some uh, openness to this idea of uh, uh, rebirth. So this is how it's taught. This is how you, when you read about this, this is how it always comes. Kama comes with the notions of... uh, other lives uh, of beings. There is one monk, Buddhadasa Bhikkhu, and other thinkers too, who said that it was not necessary to mix kama with with, uh, rebirth. That this life was plenty of uh, stuff to observe about uh, this love cause and effect. So if you want, you can take it just on one lifetime. But still, tonight I'm going to talk about the uh, other lives and maybe the cosmology of the different realms of, uh, in the Buddhist uh, uh, cosmology of the world, how the world is, the lower realms and the higher realms. And we can take these also literally, but also metaphorically as, uh, as uh, states of mind, maybe, when we talk about uh, hungry ghost realms. What is it when, right now, I'm born into the hungry ghost realm, you know? Maybe actually I did visit the hungry ghost realm yesterday when I was in the fridge. You know, white parsnips. (laughs) So the thing that I, is the most powerful uh, thing to understand here about karma is: so you have this cause and effect. So there is an intention that is a that has a coloring of uh, a value of wholesome or unwholesome, and we'll talk about this in a moment. And then there's a result that come with this. Usually in the common culture, often we'll talk about karma, and it'll kind of point to the result. Ha! Here's your karma. To the result of this old chain of cause and effect. But the powerful way to look at it is really to bring it back to the very beginning and really look at intention at the beginning of this cycle. And, and because this is where we have power, this is the most important place uh, to look at. So it says that intention doesn't have in itself the result. They're kind of, in a way, uh, void of each other. They're not related. They're not together, the, the, the intention and then the result. But the example that is used is like a uh, uh, cow dung, uh, ma- uh, magnifying glass and uh, sun. It says that when there is a cow dung, and there is a diamond or a magnifying glass and there is the sun, when the circumstances are right like this, uh, the sun will hit the magnifying glass and the cow dung might catch and fire. The fire is nowhere in these things. Uh? But when the circumstances are right, fire arises. So the result works like this. So there is an intention that is put out. And when the circumstances will be right, it is said that then uh, the result that was possible will happen. But only when the circumstances will be right. As, uh, for example, uh, the tree, a tree, a fruit tree, can bear fruit. It can, but it's it's not in the seed. It's not in the tree. There's no fruit there. But if the circumstances are right, the tree will bear fruit. So it's a potentiality. And it says that as long as we are in samsara, any intention that we had that was wholesome and unwholesome has the potential to bear fruit. So as long as we're in this life and world of lives and cycle of lives, it can bear fruit. So let's talk about this ethical, what what does it mean, this ethical value or quality or moral uh, quality to things? Uh, So the the words that are used are kusula and akusula, that can be uh, translated as wholesome or unwholesome. So intention is always there in our mind streams. There's always some intention. Like right now, we're in the present of intention. There's the intention to speak here, the intention to listen there, or intention to think about what is being said, or intention to think about something else, maybe. Yeah. And so there is always the, present of in- the presence of intention. And this intention, when there is other qualities in the mind, can be suddenly colored uh, by these qualities. So if it's colored by greed, then it says it becomes unwholesome. If this intentionality is is colored by caring, uh, uh, compassion, for example, then it is said it is wholesome. Why this wholesome, unwholesome? It it just uh, points to what leads onwards towards happiness, what leads onwards on the spiritual path to freedom, Uh, what is beneficial, this is the wholesome. The unwholesome is what is uh, counterproductive in in the the sense of uh, happiness, what is detrimental to human beings, what is creating trouble, basically, and stress. So this is just how it's divided. And it's also uh, presented, very in a way, very simply. Life is much more complex than the presentation of the three unwholesome and three wholesome, like when we hear about it. And when we hear that the Buddha saw that when his intentions were uh, of greed hatred of delusion, they were leading to stress and away from freedom. And when he noticed that his intentions uh, were colored by non-greed, non-hatred, and non-delusion, so maybe renunciation, generosity, uh, uh, metta, or or compassion, then it was leading to uh, uh, onward, to ease, And so he basically just decided to put aside uh, the unwholesome one, abandon them, not nourish them, and uh, welcome, nourish, develop, cultivate, maintain the wholesome ones. So sometimes when I read it, it's presented kind of simply. So, oh, he saw this, and he saw that, and he decided to nourish these and not nourish these. And boom, bidi, boom, boom, boom. Then there was freedom. It sounds like this sometimes. And then me, poor little old me, <laughs> I start my day, you know, wholesome on one side, unwholesome I abandon, very easy. And suddenly what happens? It doesn't work like this. I'm the slave of this one. i confuse about which one is which. It's not that clear. Uh, I'm blinded by uh, by, uh, by one. and. Uh, Suddenly, one appears that is awesome and then it disappears in two seconds. I'm like, oh, no, come back, come back. I was just about to act on that you know, and develop this, but now it's gone. You know, I lost the uh, confused again. You know? I don't know if it's like this for you, but uh, <laughs> it is for me. Karma is also presented sometimes, karma or kama. Um, I'm using the Pali word, kama, or Sanskrit word, karma. It's presented as, um, as another kind of division for it. It's, uh, it's either said you have, uh, it is dark karma or bright karma. It's, it's a fourfold division of bright karma, dark karma, both bright and dark are neither dark nor bright. What is all this? Let's look at this for a second. So uh, dark car- karma would be karma that is action or intention that is unwholesome, very c- clear, uh, leading away from uh, ease. Bright uh, would be uh, known as uh, mundane, uh, wholesome karma, things that will bring uh, f- good fortune in the future, things that will, uh, if we take the, the idea of rebirth, that we will bring uh, a good rebirth in the future. So it's within the war- realm of samsara, the cycle of life and death. So this is bright karma. There's a karma that is known as uh, both bright and dark. What is that? This is, um, this is maybe m- many, of w- many of what we go through during the day. So it's, uh, it's what contains both the wholesome and the unwholesome. So technically, one moment of intention cannot be both. Wholesome or unwholesome—it's either one or the other. So when we talk about bright and dark uh, karma, it points to kind of the, the conduct of a of a being uh, in life, where they do a little bit of wholesome here, and then whoops, it gets a little bit dirty around here, you know, and then whoops, a little bit of benevolence again, and then whoops, a little bit of aversion or. Clinging, you know, so that this is a this is a and sometimes we talk about mixed intention. So I do something, there's generosity in it, but here and there, there's moments of fear, doubt of not wanting to really be generous. But all in all, I do the generous thing, but it's like interspersed. I don't know if it even exists, this word with uh, little moments of uh, unclarity in there, no? Uh, we see this in life. We, uh, we want to give feedback to somebody. That's a, like a good example of that. I want to give feedback to somebody. It's for their well-being. <laughs> so there might be a little something generous in there, but there's also like, whoops, hiding in the back, some kind of revenge maybe that is present, you know. Sometimes, like, the actual thing we're saying can be generous, but the tone carries uh, something, or sometimes the opposite. So to be uh, aware of this. So that's the bright and dark karma. And then there's this other one that I really want you to know about if you don't already, is the neither bright nor dark karma. So this... uh, Is said to be the intentions, the action, the deeds that we do that are leading towards a complete freedom from samsara. So this is basically, uh, we could say, what we're doing here or attempting to do here by walking the Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path, developing uh, uh, the mind, the the ethics, the integrity, morality that we use, and then the calming of the mind, and the vipassana, the looking at phenomena, and seeing through uh, the concepts and the fog that we live through. All this is uh, and bringing some right or wise understanding about the nature of this world. And part of it is understanding karma is one bit of it. So this... Uh, These intentions are leading to a freedom that is not about a better life, that is not about a better birth, but is a freedom that is total, outside of this uh, cycle. So it's called a a supramundane karma, neither dark nor bright. So it is awesome, but it is not to build some good fortune, although it's going to come with it. It's not uh, built towards that, but towards uh, really going to the end of this path. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, maybe come back to this, the result. There's several ways we can divide all these. And so there's a results that we can uh, see immediately. And this is uh, a lot what we see here on retreat, what we are attentive to, is uh, to notice the wholesomeness as it is happening. So when there is an experience, of renunciation because in this culture renunciation not in this culture but in this culture <laughs> maybe renunciation is not presented as something that is leading towards happiness uh, it's not an obvious thing that is given in this culture but here when we let go of the stuff that is keeping our mind busy when we're simplifying our life letting go of uh, this is what we do again and again, no? Abandoning thoughts of me, I, me in the world, how I'm perceived, how I perceive myself, comparing all this. This is what we do on the cushion all the time. This is what I do. Every time it arises, I drop it. I drop it. I drop it again and again. And this experience of renunciation, when it comes with the contentment of simplicity, and then we have a direct experience of this. Oh, this is actually wholesome. I, I experience it now. As I let go of this thought, of this obsessive or habitual pattern, ah, there was ease coming back in the body. This ease. Even sometimes if there is this ease, sometimes I let go of a thought, I'll come back in the body. Just come back here. What I find is not always pretty. Sometimes there's contraction and the heart is all contracted. Even acidity, I find, or agitation. But somehow, there's this wholesomeness of being with what is truly present. Not the made-up world of uh, me and the world uh, kind of fiction, but something that, oh, if I drop this, this is not a pleasant sensation that I find here, but there's this slight little joy or ease maybe of being with the truth of what is here. So here, right then and there, I feel uh, how something is unwholesome, how renunciation maybe is, a, is a wholesome. And so, And then I do this again and again, and at some point I notice... That, as I was saying to somebody today in an interview, despite my best efforts, the mind remembers the dropping of a fantasy or dropping. I find that it happens, despite me. Oh, it goes a little, and then suddenly it just drops back. And then I'm like, oh. So there's a training. So, this is an aspect of karma, is that everything. That we are doing, we are training ourselves. That's one place for me where some Vega comes in. When I think about this and realize this, that there's nothing happening that is insignificant, benign, that, oh, you know I can uh, bah, 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 you know, fantasize for a little while and then come back to my practice, this is not insignificant. I tend to think this maybe. And this is where I was saying earlier, it could be an unconscious belief that things don't have an impact so much, a little impact, but not so much. But when I find that the coming back actually builds coming back, that the concentration builds, the unifying, the capacity to unify the mind builds as I go along, this is a lot of power there. And so I can see over time with the idea of training, oh, there is a cause and effect here. I've come back so many times that now coming back happens. It's becoming conditioned, a good conditioning. This is how habits get formed. This is how personality happens also thing that is repeated the movement of mind the movement of body a series of mechanics there and they're repeated over time and they become a training this is why we say the proximate cause of uh, mindfulness is a prior moment of mindfulness so a prior moment of mindfulness is not just good in itself it has an impact It's going to create the potential for a next moment of uh, presence or mindfulness, awareness. And just this in terms of karma that Buddha was saying, or it is said at least, maybe it's somewhere else, that um, a moment of mindfulness is extremely powerful. You could almost say nuclear power so what is the, the kind of e- equation uh, one moment of mindfulness when pure clear moment of seeing uh, a rising in, an arising and arising and or passing that something passes mind moment or f- material moment passes this seeing clearly this 10,000 maybe uh, 10,000 times stronger than a moment of metta, of kindness, of uh, pure kindness, where the heart, mind, is uh, unconditionally caring. And then this moment of uh, metta that is extremely powerful also, although it's less powerful than a moment of clear seeing, is also known to be what? ten thousand times more powerful than a moment of generosity. Because the moment of generosity can create wholesome uh, result in the future. But when you go to the other end, the moment of mindfulness can create a wholesomeness that is much more more Deeper, is that a way I could say that? Because it can bring about complete freedom from stress. So little details that might uh, interest you about uh, karma, if we take a classification of karma in terms of uh, priority. So there's some karma, some intentions, some actions that we uh, do some, that have uh, what is called weighty karma, serious karma, both in the wholesome and the unwholesome so uh, it is known that uh, killing uh, say father or mother killing an awakened being as an extremely weighty karma on the other end uh, accessing jhana Uh, the absorption of the mind the unifying of the mind uh, is also known as a weighty karma has a tremendous potential in the mind Uh, or this moment of uh, stream entry when there's a touching of freedom a complete clarification of what the heart-mind, even for a moment, stream-entry, very, very powerful, weighty karma. It's changing the whole structure of what's going on and what will happen. And then there's proximate karma. This is uh, in the idea of rebirths. Uh, this comes in at the moment of death. It said that The state of mind at the last moment of life will have a tremendous impact on what will arise in the next life. And so that's one reason why it is said that when somebody's uh, about to die or on the way to dying, it's very good to have them remember their good actions, to bring ease in the mind, to have a wholesome mind. Rem- uh, reminding them of uh, the good uh, actions they have performed. And then at the moment of uh, the last moment of consciousness, their wholesomeness there, it's going to have an impact on what's coming next. I like to think about this also, this proximate karma, also as what, if if I think about it as being dying in and being born every other moment. Again, again, again here, as everything dissolve and arise again, again. These mind moments went... So I'm constantly uh, in facing approximate karma here. There's always a... What is the state of mind right now? Because that's going to have an impact on my next birth, which is the next second, maybe. So on a very minute level, Uh, also is a way to look at this. And then there's this habitual karma, the the tendencies of mind. So this is in terms of priority, weighty karma. If if it's not there, this proximate karma is acting. Otherwise, it's habitual karma that is uh, present, Um, the patterns we have in the mind. And then there's a last one, it's called the reserve karma. When all these others are absent, there is this uh, other karma that is uh, lighter, not so powerful, that is waiting to form. Uh, I'd like to read you this this little piece here that uh, I find so powerful. So uh, let's see what you think of it. Well, maybe I'll never know, but <laughs> here's this little offering. This is from Bhikkhu Bodhi. This has some length to it, and I'll try my best to read in good English. So listen closely. To accept the law of Kama entails a radical transformation of our relationship to the world. The twin doctrines of Kama and rebirth enable us to see the world in which we live. Sorry, the twin doctrines of karma and rebirth enable us to see that the world in which we live is, in important respects, an external reflection of the internal cosmos of the mind. I'll just take this sentence again. The world in which we live right now in in a very important uh, way is an external reflection of the internal cosmos of the mind. Okay, this does not mean that the external world can be reduced to a mental projection in the way uh, proposed by certain types of philosophical idealism. Okay? It doesn't mean it's only a projection of the mind. However, taking in conjunction these two doctrines do show that the conditions under which we live closely, they closely correspond to the karmic tendencies of our mind. The conditions under which we live right now closely correspond to the karmic tendencies of our minds. So the reason why a living being is reborn into a particular realm is because in a previous life that being has generated that karma that volitional action that leads to the rebirth in this realm, in these circumstances. Thus, in the final analysis, all the realms of existence have been formed, fashioned, and sustained by the mental activity of living beings. Again, in the final analysis, all the realm of existence, this existence we find ourselves in, have been formed, fashioned, sustained by the mental activity that came prior to it. So the Buddha, or the classic uh, equanimity phrases, some of you here are are doing the equanimity practice. You've heard them, them, probably. I am the owner of my karma, born of my karma, Related to my karma, whatever I shall do, uh, for good or for ill, of that I will be the heir. So for me, what links to what I just read from Bhikkhu Bodhi is this bit that I find fascinating. This is not just po- po- poetry here. Okay, the, one, the first one, I am the owner of my karma. So okay, whatever I put out uh, is going to come back in some form. So I'm planting seed constantly. But the second line, born of my karma. Wow, that is total to me. It's not just, there's me and then there's my karma that comes, this, this being is born of what mind state, mind moment came before. Extremely powerful. So to finish, I'll just say this. So again, I want to bring the attention to the intentions, to the very beginning of this cycle, because this is where we have the power, the power of now. So I find myself here. That would be the result of what happened before. I find myself in this situation, this one (laughs) or another one, sometimes stressful. There's nothing I can do with, with this situation outside my response is what will create what will come later so my response so when i do the equanimity practice for me one sentence that i've repeated a lot and i love to repeat and remind myself especially in terms of times of stress is my happiness or unhappiness depends on my response, not on the circumstances of my life. Or if you want, you can say, my future happiness depends on my response now, not on the circumstances around me or in me. So how do I respond now? Is what you find now as a response is what you'll find then later on so these thoughts for your um, consideration please take what is useful to you put the rest in the recycling bin or on a shelf somewhere Um, and now there was these guys aha so let's see what kind of karma, what kind of intention uh, uh, that are being generated here, what kind of wholesome uh, intentions and aspirations are being uh, generated. So for those who were not here this morning, there's this idea of writing on a little piece of paper a thing that we're uh, if we, are, if we were aware of that kind of psychic vortex of the new year, it, it's not a given, it's not inherent <laughs> that there is a vortex. But sometimes when we're in like, oh, this is the new year and we feel it, there might be some, something that is there, you know, some, something we're aware of. And it's, it's totally mind made, but it is powerful if we believe in it. You know, If we think, oh, it's the beginning of the year, it's important totally conditional totally conventional yet powerful because we can put a little something in that made-up vortex so here what we uh, what we find in these little vortexes to notice the agenda of my suffering 2010 a year of friendship What is this? Steady, caring effort. Let me get out of the way. I will learn to mind my own business. Aspirations accepting and relaxing into each moment. I am giving up engaging in aversive reactivity. In this new year, I hope for equanimity in my work life. 2010, bringing in, I am one with love, leaving terror, panic, doom. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I am giving up the delusion of choicelessness. Hmm. so so one thing we can do also thank you for uh, responding to, to this uh, may, it, may it be so may it come to uh, realization um, so one uh, one of the very uh, wholesome things to do uh, is to share merit so that's one thing we do here no? after Dharma talk, we sing the Blessing, uh, a reflection on sharing of blessings. This is known to be a very wholesome thing to do. It's actually said that when you share the blessing, you don't um, you don't lose the, the the blessing, the merit, all the good stuff that uh, that you've the intentions that you've put out. They don't uh, diminish by offering them, sharing them. Actually, it's said that the image uh, used is—it's like if I have a candle and I uh, light other people's candle, my light doesn't diminish. My flame doesn't diminish by sharing it. It actually helps brighten the room. Yeah? And another way, that things that it, thing that is said about this is that when we share blessing, we're actually giving uh, beings the chance to rejoice. In our expression of our, um, of our merit. So they can, they can say, Sadhu, 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 yeah, you've developed all these beautiful qualities. And when they rejoice, they get instant merit from that too. So this is the so there is the sharing of blessing, is, is something that is wholesome. And then the mudita, the joy from seeing that, wow, there's a bunch of us who actually worked hard at developing beautiful quality and wholesome states of mind and are sharing it. So the joy of just that is also very wholesome. So we're in business for the onward movement towards freedom. Okay. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue my mother my father and my relatives the sun and the moon and all virtuous leaders of the world may the highest gods and evil forces celestial beings guardian spirits of the earth and the lord of death May those who are friendly, indifferent, or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the threefold bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice. And through this act of sharing, May all desires and attachments quickly cease, And all harmful states of mind, Until I realize Nibbana, In every kind of birth, May I have an upright mind, With mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and delusion be dispelled. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. So I'll just ring the bell to... let these words dissolve and go back to the silence thank you very much for your attention